Is all alone through the day and night. The lonely loner seems to free his mind at night. At, at, at night. Day and night. The lonely stoner seems to free his mind at night. He's all alone, some things will never change. The lonely loner seems to free his mind at night. At, at, at night. Hold the phone. Welcome into. Down to the Wire, I'm your host, Brian Costa. It's going to be a quiet night up in up here in the Koffler studio because we're missing our, I'm missing my co-host tonight, Tyler Tucker, along with our XFL analyst, Carter Adams. But we still have a good number of topics to get to tonight. First on the docket, some great Celtics news. As, as, the, Celtics, as the Celtics announced last night that Kevin Garnett's number five will be retired in, during, at some point during the 2020-21 season. During his tenure with the Celtics, Garnett averaged 15.7 points and 8.3 assists, but made five All-Star appearances and was inducted and was an instrumental part in the NBA in the NBA title run of 07 and 08. <sighs> Let's see. Garnett's presence was amazing in Boston. I mean, the big ticket after coming over here 14 seasons with the Timberwolves, it was there was a lot of pressure on him to live up to it, having not really been in too much of a championship culture in Minnesota. And the guy really came through over here. Um, af- on on the statement of his number being retired, Garnett said, I'm honored and thankful that my number retired by the Celtics. I will always have immense respect and appreciation for, for ownership, Danny Ainge, Doc Rivers, my past teammates, and Celtic Nation. So I'm a big fan of this move. Um, Garnett will be the 23rd Celtic player to have his number retired. That is the most by any, I believe, by any North American professional sports team as reported by Sports Illustrated. It was also announced earlier today that Garnett will be alongside the late Kobe Bryant being being a headlining candidate to be inducted into the um, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame this year. Along with, along with Garnett and Bryant, Tim Duncan and I believe... Tim Duncan and another and eight other finalists have been named. So, what do I think about this? I'm a big fan of Kevin Garnett. I loved him in Boston. I think he was one of the big staples here, and I'm glad to see that he's finally going to be recognized and get in the Hall of Fame. I'm really honored to like have witnessed a player like him. I remember my first Celtics game. I saw Kevin Garnett play alongside Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, and the guy was phenomenal. Like he was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he could really do it all. He could shoot. He could get down low and play and play with the best of them. If not for Tim Duncan, it's he'd argue he's arguably the greatest power forward of his generation. And it's just crazy to see him doing to see him doing what he's doing in modern NBA news. Zion Williamson has been, has been going off in his last six games. Zion is averaging six is averaging is averaging 20 points in his last six games. He is the first. He is the first rookie, or I believe at least the youngest player to ever accomplish this feat in his time in the NBA. So Zion is really just take is just on a tear lately. The guy has been incredible. I think he's going to have a great future in this league as long as he can stay in shape and his knees don't go out on him. Because guess what? If his knees go, that's going to just be a Derrick Rose scenario, and I don't want to see that happen to another guy. I mean, seeing what happened to Derrick Rose, an amazing explosive player, to see him just have his career completely like taken off track by injuries was really tragic at the time. I'm, I'm happy that a guy like him is able to be back on track at this point in his career, but it was really a tragedy at the time when Rose did go down 
in addition to in addition to the NBA news, I'm also really I'm really really also hopeful for this All Star game. The NBA All Star game this year will be held on February 16th, and in in Chicago, I believe, yes, Chicago, and it will be Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. So we all know about the new NBA All Star rules that have been put in place. 24 points will be added to the leading team's score, and that will be a leading objective goal going into the fourth quarter. I'm really hoping that, in honor of the late Kobe, they're going to end up playing a little harder in this All-Star game, as one would hope. But then again, it's really all up for interpretation. I'm hoping that it's going to be a competitive game, but at the same time, I know I understand where players are coming from. It's all about load management. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to have a Paul George in the Olympics moment where the guy go where the guy wants to play a little harder, and boom, you snap an ankle. It's gonna like that's all going to be in the back of their minds, unfortunately, and I. I whether you like it or not, that's just the that's just the case here. And it, okay, my my apologies. I now finally have the full list of the NBA finalists. So the NBA finalists for the Hall of Fame are Kobe Bryant, Tamika Catchings, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kim Mulkey, Eddie Sutton, Barbara Stevens, and Rudy Tomjanovich. So the fi- so the class will be announced during the men's Final Four in Atlanta on April fourth. So that is your finalist class for the Hall of Fame. And adi- ad- additionally, I believe the Celtics have been like just tearing on a complete tear lately. Jason Tatum is a first-time All-Star this year. So I'm also really hopeful for the Celtics now, and I'm also glad for the Celtics of the past really being honored and displayed. As Even though I'd love to see a guy like Ray Allen get his, get his jersey in the rafters, I understand that some drama had went down. All right, looking into it. In baseball news, Cody Bellinger blasts the Astros, quoting that they stole a ring from the Dodgers. So, in a so in an in an interview earlier this week, Cody Bellinger stated that stated that Jim that owner Jim Crane of the Astros' statements regarding the sign stealing scandal were weak because due to him basically just saying that he had that the scandal didn't affect the game. Of course, it did affect the game. But I understand where I understand where Crane is coming from. He's trying to save face, but it's a very bad situation that you're trying to save face on. It the more you try to like hide, the more you try you try to button this up, the worse it's really going to look for you. And I really think that they should just all come forward and just really just say we were wrong. We have to admit that this is wrong. It did affect the game. It did affect the World Series, and we need to come forward and we need to move past this. But like really, no apologies ever going to be enough for these guys. It's always going to be in the minds of the players. Really, I think that their legacies might might as well just be tainted for the rest of their career. I think if a guy like Altuve continues to be performing at the rate he is, it's get it's definitely going to hurt his Hall of Fame chances. It's definitely going to hurt the Hall of Fame chances of other great players like a Carlos Correa if he ever if he manages to ascend if he manages to ascend to that level. Other great players in that Dodgers team, guys like George Springer. I mean that that Astros team is loaded. So if they manage to, even if they manage to have great careers, I'm really skeptical of whether they will be able to sustain that. So in addition to that, Bellinger is Bellinger was furious. I completely understand him. As even though I'm not the biggest Dodger guy, I I frankly was pretty happy the seeing the Dodgers kind of pull a Texas Rangers and lose both of those World Series. I was pretty happy seeing that as a Sox fan. 
but I understand where he's coming from, especially as a baseball player. You hate seeing you hate seeing that as just a fan. You hate seeing a team get kind of robbed of a championship like that. But it's a really unfortunate situation. I don't think that they should be stripped of the title. It's just going to be a whole mess if they do. I think that baseball is trying their best, but one of the, one of the people that I don't believe is trying their best is the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. So Manfred, really, I don't think he's the best guy for baseball. I'm have ne- I really haven't been a fan of him like ever. So I mean, Manfred came in I believe around 2015, and some of his changes I just really have never been a fan of. The pitch clock, I know it's this big fancy thing, but to me I've never been interested in it. The pitch clock, in my opinion, is just it's a great idea, and I actually I applaud I applaud the idea of using it in the minor leagues because if you want to get those faster habits. It probably is the best place to do it in a, de- in, de- in a developmental league because at least when you get up here to the majors, you have the experience in October that where, I mean, the majority of the art in baseball is timing. Timing is everything in baseball. So if a pitcher wants to be on the mound and wants to hold that ball to really, um, to really deke that runner on base, that's part of the game. And I think that you really need to keep that part of the game like involved. And I think if you take that out, it's really a disservice to the players, the fans, and frankly, just everyone in, everyone involved. Other things I'm not a big fan of Manfred, I talked about this on Wednesday's show as well, was the new pros playoff format. I believe that'll I believe that's just gonna make the NBA the NBA and MLB very similar. So NBA, about half the league just makes the playoffs, and most of them I would say probably aren't worthy of making it. In baseball, it's five, it's five teams from each league, ten in total. I think it's the perfect mix. I believe it's the perfect balance of teams to have in the playoffs. So you have five from the American League, five from the National League, two wild cards. They play in a wild card. They play the best team, play the best team ranked in the AL, in that ALDS, and you go from there. You have a team like the Washington Nationals who managed to do that down the stretch. The Astros and the Dodgers and the Washington Nationals were ranked as some of the best teams down the stretch in baseball. So I think that. So I think that the Nationals did very much deserve that World Series, especially against an Astros team, which has been accused of such heinous cheating. I think that the I think that it's really I think that expanding the playoffs is really just not the best idea in my interest. I'd like to see I like to see good quality baseball. If it's if it's bad teams just playing to play, I'm not really going to be that interested in it. I want to see the best possible teams competing in October. And with this re- with this recent rule, it would have had guys like the Red Sox and I think the A's from last year. I don't believe the A's made the playoffs last year, but it would have had the Red Sox, who I know definitely didn't make the playoffs with their abysmal season, but would have had those guys competing in the playoffs. I don't think that that Red Sox team deserved to be anywhere in October. And I think if you put them out in October, it's a disgrace to baseball. So, And that's coming from someone who's a Red Sox fan. I think that the Red Sox didn't deserve to be in it that October, and that's on and that's on the team, that's on ownership, that's on the GM, that's on whoever you want to put it on. And I think that the Red Sox didn't deserve to be in it. So, frankly, I think that the best teams who should be in it, the Yankees were better that season, so they deserve to be in that playoff spot. Another thing I'm not a fan of is the three batter minimum rule. I've seen a lot of people online saying that this is great for baseball. It's gonna really and it's gonna really encourage the game. I really do not like this rule. Frankly, I think it ruins just strategy and the idea of a specialist pitcher. You have guys that train their whole lives and then are given actually an ass- are usually given assignments in the minors. You're going to be a lefty specialist. You're going to be a righty specialist. So when you get to the majors, 
you're not going to really have to worry about facing batters on that other side too much. Now, I understand where people are going to are going to go. Well, then they should just be better players. They should just be better players. I get that, but the but the way baseball is is that it's designed to be is that a bullpen is designed to be basically a multi-tool. If you want to have a guy who can really mow down all those guys, you have guys like Aroldis Chapman. You have guys like Craig Kimball in his prime. You have great pitchers who can do great things. I appreciate that, and that's the guy you have in the back end of your bullpen to shut down games late, or a guy like Andrew Miller who you can throw in at any in any scenario. But I also but I also appreciate having but I also appreciate having a guy like a like like a left-handed specialist that maybe only handles the left-handed pitchers has a break, has a nice breaking slider that can get them to miss but when thrown to a righty it can be taken yard. I I think that's I think it's a subtle art in the game that really with this rule is going to be taken away and it sucks. Frankly, if I'm if I'm if I'm a coach and it gets late into October and you want to make that pitching change, I'm going to just tell your guy, "Hey, as soon as you get that guy out, just grab your arm. We'll take you out of the game. Just say it's an arm spasm, and just go from there. Like I think that's what you have to do if you really want, if you still want to be able to do it. But it, but eventually baseball is just going to go. Well, you can't do that. But then the managers are going to argue that well, if my player is hurt and he wants to come out, I'm taking him out of the game. So it's just going to become a whole dilemma with baseball, and I just don't like the idea of this rule. It's going to have players faking injuries. It's going to become just really. Just a clown show, in my, my opinion. I'm not a fan of this rule at all. I mean, I'm not really a fan of this rule whatsoever, in my opinion. <sighs> That's So, frankly, I do believe a guy like Rob Manfred should be let go for stuff like this, but obviously baseball is not going to do that. They believe that there are, they believe they are a dying sport, which I don't believe is false. They aren't doing the greatest at this moment in time. But I think that they definitely need to do something different. But what is that different thing? I think they need to find a way to appeal to the kids without changing the game. So, I, as I mentioned on Wednesday's show, there's a there's a group called BAM, which stands for Baseball Advanced Media. So this group is basically responsible for, I said on Wednesday's show as well, is responsible for collecting all the data involved with, and all like clips involved with baseball, and basically just puts them in one secure spot that when paid for with the subscription you have complete access to so bam it sounds good on the it sounds good on the surface and frankly by doing it you make a lot of money on the surface but as trevor bauer said in his momentum interview you skip you lose a generation of fans and that's frankly what's happening by by getting rid of that you're losing fans in baseball because he said that he said a guy like Steph Curry throws a simple bounce pass, but it's trending with 1.5 million views 10 minutes later. But Mike Trout can go vault himself over the wall, snow cone catch a baseball, bring it back into the yard, and nothing. Nothing. And I think that I think by doing that, it's just taken away from the game. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, you see a guy like Steph Curry make a through the legs bounce pass. I'm gonna see him, I'm gonna see like at least a hundred or so kids just posting that online, just saying, saying, look what Steph Curry did tonight. But I see a guy like Mike Trout or even a defensive stud like Jackie Bradley Jr. or a Kevin Pillar, who's now on the Red Sox, which I'm very thankful for, for his defense, really do something spectacular defensively. And you can't find it anywhere. And I feel like if you can't find it anywhere, what are you like, like then no one's going to be interested in looking at your sport. So I think BAM is really bad for baseball. I think that, Frankly, a lot of this stuff just hurts baseball in general, and I just 
don't think that it's I don't think that it can survive with the with the way it's going right now. So as I stated also on Wednesday, these are some of the rules that I'm not a fan of Rob Manfred making. I'm making I'm trying to make one heck of a case for him to be out as commissioner of baseball. And frankly, it's frankly I'm not a fan of the pitch off, pitch clock. My 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 apologies. A limitation on pickoffs, starting extra innings with runners on base. I I thought that rule just sounded like a dumb gimmick. Uh, the mercy rule. This isn't little league. If your team is if your team is losing twenty to one, tough. Uh, raising the strikes under the top of the knee. No, we don't need to squeeze it. We need, we want, we want good quality pitchers. And you, if you want to, if you want to hit that ball, hit it. You're in the major leagues. You're a good player if you're in the major leagues. So you should be able to hit that pitch. And if you don't get in the cage and figure it out, require relievers to face the minimum number of batters. This is now a rule for the 2020 season. And I'm frankly not really ever going to be a fan of it because it's just going to say that yep you just have to be a a completely dominant talented pitcher and that there's no in between happy medium i'm not really a fan of this but i but i really have no choice but to accept it at this point limit limit the number of relievers on a roster this goes believe it or not this goes in part with the minimum because it's going to be a minimum you're not going to really need those specialists so those guys who've worked all their lives and get that shot to say, hey, get this lefty out, get Christian Yelich out at the plate, they're going to go, well, you, if you can't get, if you can't, you can get, you can get Christian Yelich out, but if you can't get Nelson Cruz out, then I'm sorry, man, it's the end of the road for you. And I think that's just a shame. I think that, I feel like guys like that really deserve a shot if they've been, if that's what they've been trained their whole life and told that they can do that at the major league level. I think it really hurts. Uh, limiting the number of defensive shifts. This is something that just seems absolutely dumb to me i think that if you have a guy shifting in baseball it's been part of the game since literally before ted williams there's there's literally a shift called the williams shift so frankly i believe that defensive shifts are more than just lining up with one guy on the other side of the on the other side of the infield there are shifts when the base is loaded shifts for turning a double play so by baseball saying that we're going to limit the number of shifts that really just that really just doesn't make sense to me because if you limit the number of shifts, it's like telling a defense that they can only play man or they can only play zone. That's really what it's like. That's like telling an NFL defense, "Yep, you, yep, you guys are one of the best defenses in the league, but we're only going to let you guys play man, and we're and the uh, and the other team is going to know that." So if the other team knows that you can only play man, what are they going to do? They're going to try to run some plays to to pick you apart. That's frankly just what's going to happen. They're going to run plays to pick you apart, and it's really going to and it's going to mess with your team, especially if you especially if you don't have the offensive power to beat a team like that. But you may have the good quality defense that can stop an offense that you're facing. Allow managers to reset batting order in the ninth inning. Not a fan. I think it's just I think that at that point we're just playing fantasy sports. It's not going to really be real baseball in an NFL game. You can't you can't take one of your inactive players who's suddenly feeling better. And put him in, and put him in the game. You can't take a player who, who maybe isn't getting as many reps, and then shift him in. It's just not. A, it's not something that I think is also, you know, a good a good move for baseball. And no extra innings at all. Declaring the game a tie after nine innings. Listen, the only time I want to see a tie is really never. I frankly don't want to see a tie in baseball. So I'm. I think the last tie I remember in baseball was around. I believe it was after the 2017 or 2018 season. I believe the Pirates were playing. I don't remember who they were playing. It might have been the Cardinals or the Reds, but it was game 163. Both of them were out of it, 
and 162, my apologies. They were both out of it, so it was just, so when it was went to extra innings and the game was tied and it went to a rain delay, both teams said that they aren't trying to really replay a game when they know that their players aren't trying to get hurt. So they just put it, they just kind of nipped it in the bud and they just said that they'll take it as a tie for both of them. That's the last tie in baseball I can remember, and I frankly am not a fan of that. So I also think, so Manfred, for anyone who doesn't know, is also trying to basically distance himself from the minor leagues. He's trying to really like hurt the minor leagues because minor league players really aren't paid like well at all. Like they are frankly paid a very bad salary compared to the rest compared to everyone else. And I, I frankly do believe that like minor league players do need to know this going in that, Hey, it's a tough league. You're not going to get paid a lot of money. The quality of the quality of living that you might be in won't, won't be great. But frankly, you do need to understand that going in. And I, but I do think Manfred has to do something, whether it's accommodations for the stadiums that you're in, that your travel needs to be a little better. If you're not going to get that quality pay, which I understand it's tough to spread that out, but also baseball's a multi-billion dollar corporation. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to do the pay, then I think you got to at least try to update services that haven't maybe been updated in a couple of years. If, as long as you have the funds to do so, which baseball does it, they do. And I think that money really isn't a problem for them. I believe that their, I believe that their total revenue and money coming in, it has been going up pretty steadily each year while fan attendance is declining, but baseball sees the money and they see victory, which sucks. Cause I mean, if you're seeing victory, when you see dollar signs, I mean, that's great. I mean, you are seeing growth, but you're also seeing a decline in an area where a lot of people like where a lot of people take it, where a lot of people want to, you know, enjoy the game. And I think it's just a shame in my opinion. Let's see what else is happening today. Also in baseball, some smaller news. The as reported by the as reported by the Instagram page All Sports News, the Cleveland Indians have signed outfielder Domingo Santana to a one-year, $1.5 million contract with a club option for 2021. The 27-year-old Santana hit 30 home runs in his in, in 2017 with the Brewers, but this season with but this past season with the Mariners struggled pretty struggled not too well, not too bad. He hit 253, 21 homers and 53 ribbies across 121 games. But it was his. But it was his only season with the Mariners before being non-tendered. Um, the, All Sports News describes him as as a bit inconsistent offensively and and comes with defensive concerns. But then states that the Indians would need would really enjoy the power to boost their outfield, which is taking a loss with which and their lineup is taking a loss with guys like Jason Kipnis now gone and frankly guys have that have been leaving over the years. So a guy like Santana. I really don't know a ton about him personally, but he seems like a pretty solid power option for, for for the for the Indians. Even if they don't end up using him as a starter, he seems like a guy who could have some quality power off the bench. And he is emerging into his prime, so it could be interesting to see does he get over those offensive struggles, over that hump, and what can he really accomplish. So then in terms of that, I believe that everything else in baseball is most likely covered. Let me take a look here. Yeah, I believe everything in baseball is frankly covered for the most part. So, while we have some time, let's shift over to the NFL. So, it was reported earlier this week that the NFL has reinstated defensive defensive end Miles Garrett from his from his suspension last year for swinging a helmet and hitting and hitting Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph in the head. So, Rudolph, I believe, suffered a concussion and then 
Garrett missed the rest of the season. Rudolph was, I believe, fined about $50,000. I believe he tried to appeal it, but that appeal was denied, to my best belief. So there was a lot of outrage because it has been now said by Miles Garrett, who has basically doubled or even tripled down at this point, that Rudolph had said a racial slur towards him during that during that tackle, which is now pretty famous. If you haven't seen it, then I don't know where you've been in the sports realm. But so Miles Garrett tackles Mason Rudolph. He gets up. He gets up. They they talk for a little bit. A little bit of shoving goes back and forth. And of course, Garrett swings his helmet and freaking annihilates Rudolph. But it but it came out in an interview again earlier earlier this week after his reinstatement that that Rudolph said a racial slur towards Garrett. But to this point, the NFL has yet to release a statement on whether they have audio of this. And Rudolph has yet to deny. He denied the first time that this that this um, statement was made, but has yet to do so again. So we have to wait and see really on that part. I think if Rudolph did say what Garrett is accusing him of, I think that, frankly, I, I think that he's got it. I would possibly even consider throwing him out of the league. It's really just something I'm, I'm not going to stand for if, if I'm an, if I'm the NFL commissioner, but at the same time, I, but at the same time, I'm not really a fan of the NFL commissioner as much as I am the, as, as much I, as I am the MLB commissioner. So I'd also wouldn't be surprised if NFL was to get word of this audio hear hear Rudolph say this, but, and then basically kind of try to hide it in the sense that they don't want to be caught for, for missing something that, that, that was pretty apparent so I could understand them. I could understand where they'd be coming from by trying to hide it to save their kind of reputation a little bit. But I wouldn't be a fan of it if Rudolph did say it. I think he's a scumbag and frankly should be thrown out of the league. But I, but I, but I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Adele and the other kind of goons up in that goons in the NFL try to like you know try to tuck this under the bed, try to hide it in some sort of facet. So. Another another Steelers quarterback, Big Ben, will be trying to make a return this year. The Steelers, the Steelers are saying that they be, that they have a firm belief in Ben, who is turning, who will be 37 for this upcoming season, I believe. B- Big Ben this season only played about, I believe, two games, one to two, before his elbow really just gave out on gave out on him. He had to get Tommy John surgery, pretty famous pitcher surgery, but had had to get Tommy John on his elbow. He'll be 37, and for, for anyone who doesn't know, Big Ben, part of that famous draft class in the early 2000s with guys like Manning and Rivers. Um, now it's only him and Rivers are really the only guys left with Manning now out of the picture. So it's going to be interesting to see what Ben can do. Um, he's still a big presence. The last full year he was in the NFL, he led the league in interceptions. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers can do because even without him, they managed to actually still go 8-8, eight and eight, even though they got obliterated by the Patriots in, on opening night. They still have a good team, I believe, but it's going to be interesting to see what a guy like Ben in his age 37 season. He's not the most lean kind of body type, so I'm also wondering, is that is that going to really hamper him now in these later years of his career? But if it doesn't hamper him, then I think then, then I think he could probably have a quality season. He's got guys like Juju to throw to. He still, had, he still has a decent enough team around him in Pittsburgh to maybe at least compete. I mean, if a guy like Lamar Jackson has a setback, you could look. You could look to something like that, especially if Baker Mayfield still has his struggles in Cincinnati. Even if they land Joe Burrow, I still think that I still think that they're going to be at least a couple seasons away before they can really be anything. 
So, I mean, if Lamar Jackson has a setback or, or God forbid, an injury, I mean, look out for the Steelers, frankly. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what the, what to see what might happen if if a guy like if a guy like um, uh, Lamar has a setback or and then Ben is able to come back and, you know, be kind of close to the player that he was. If it's going to be really tough for him because even pitchers who come back from Tommy John really struggle. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they come back throwing a little harder, but sometimes that elbow just can't hold up. So it's really going to be a testament of how tough is Ben, how tough is that elbow now. But if, if it's legit, then I'd say look out for the Steelers as a surprise team. If maybe they don't win the North, but maybe they sneak in and get a wild card spot. Who knows? Now, another quarterback who I have had my eyes on lately has been, <laughs> kind of a pun there, has been Jameis Winston, who earlier this week was also reported to have finally gotten LASIK surgery on his eyes. Jameis Winston is the first member in NFL history of the 30-30 club to throw. Th- he is the first man in NFL history to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. So he was doing that with very bad eyesight. So I think it's I think that's pretty impressive that a guy like that a guy like him is doing it with pretty bad eyesight. I still think his future in Tampa Bay is really up for discussion. Tampa Bay really needs to Tampa Bay is looking to maybe look move on from a guy like him. Uh, a guy like Philip Rivers has entered the picture now now with his departure from San Diego. Um, a guy like Tom Brady, who I don't believe he's going to look at the Buccaneers as an option, but it's in Florida, it's warm, you have weapons in guys like, like Mike Evan and Godwin, so it's an option, but I don't see that as a good place for Brady, but if Winston is to really go anywhere, it, I'd look out for him this season. I mean, throwing throwing 30 touchdowns with bad eyesight kind of says something about you. The 30 picks isn't anything to, isn't anything to really, isn't anything to really, um, I don't know isn't really anything to take, you know, on a happy side. But if he but if he's actually seeing the ball better, can see the receivers he's chucking that he's chucking the ball to, maybe he can really surprise us and actually have a quality and have a really quality season because if those if maybe 10 of those interceptions can turn to touchdowns, he's then got 40 touchdowns. But maybe but maybe they don't turn to touchdowns, maybe they just go away. Maybe they just turn to better completions. And if that's the case, then I still think that thirty having thirty touchdowns, that's an impressive feat for a quarterback. So, I mean, if he also is, if he's able to have that thirty touchdown production, I would say I'm not too much to talk talk about fantasy, but look for him in something like fantasy. He might be a good fantasy quarterback next year, as if the eyesight as well. If the eyesight is it, if the eyesight isn't the problem, if it's just a quarterback mentality problem, then I think that it's that I think it might be time to look to look away from Winston, but. If if it, but if it was just some blurry eyesight, look out. He might he might really shock you that down the stretch of this season. So, in addition to the NFL, we're gonna talk some more. We're gonna talk from we're gonna shift in a little bit now from NFL to NFL draft. So the so from what I've seen in this latest CBS article, um, Joe Burrow's stock in the NFL draft has risen while Chase Young still remains the number one overall pick. Now, I saw what Chase Young did this season, and it was unbelievable. The guy is an absolute force of nature. His suspension by the NCAA, by the NCAA was ludicrous, frankly. The fact that the NCAA is going to have the gall to suspend a guy for trying to pay for his girlfriend's, for trying to accept money to pay for his girlfriend to come see him, 
I when I first heard about Chase Young getting suspended and they and I heard all the flack that was coming down on him from the NCAA, I thought that something really bad had happened. But then when I found out that it was just simply him trying to get his girlfriend to come to a game, and I went, I, I just went, really? This is what you're gonna this is what you're gonna oust this guy for? It's frankly. It's frankly a joke in my in my opinion that the NCAA was gonna fi- that the NCAA, that the NCAA was gonna suspend this guy, and he still would have been an he still would have been a top draft pick. That would have been a real black guy on on the NCAA on the NCAA in my opinion. But the guy's a beast. If he would if he were to go under if he were to go number one overall, I'd understand it. But I mean, after seeing the incredible season that a guy like Joe Burrow had, I don't under I don't know how Cincinnati would be able to look at a guy like that and say we're not taking you. We're not taking you with out with the number one overall pick, possibly one of the best quarterback prod, products to come out of the draft in some time. If the NCAA was just to turn around and say we're not taking you, I don't know what would happen in the city of Cincinnati. Frankly, I would I would get out of that city as soon as possible because I frankly think a riot would ensue because of the fan outrage. It would be a mess in that city. Um, Burrow really had a great team around him. Some people are calling that team the greatest. Um, college football team and greatest college football um, season in history. For me, I'd probably have to say it's the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. That team was just frankly stacked. They had got they had guys like Willis McGahee, Ed Reed, Vince Wilfork, Andre Johnson, and Frank Gore. To, that's only name and a couple. I mean, they had, I believe they had, they had the out of that one team they had they've had the most um, guys to eat to suit up and play in the NFL altogether, which is insane. I think that. Almost 53 of them, I think, was the total amount that played in the NFL. So, frankly, an entire NFL franchise could have been made up of this team. And, I and I mean, it probably would have been an insane team, as is. So, I'd say that, frankly, that would be my pick for the number one team in college history. But I can understand the, I can understand the idea of saying, you know, the LSU team. I saw them play. They were really special this year. Burrow was really something else. And I think that's... You know, he's going to – I hope he has a great NFL career. I'm, I'm really hoping for him to not be a bust. That really would just be a bummer, in my opinion. But it's really up to him. If he's if he's able to put in the work and really still be that guy he was at LSU, he's going to have a good NFL career. He's just got the talent to do it. But if he but if he lags behind, then, of course, anyone can be a bust if you don't, if you don't put in the talent. Another quarterback that I wanted to talk about as well today is the Red Rifle himself, Andy Dalton. So Dalton is is finishing off a pretty bad season in Cincinnati. I mean, it's probably going to look worse on him that they are the, that they have been ranked. They now are the worst team um, in football this past season. They've they had the worst record. They were just abysmal. And frankly, he he lost his job at some point to Ryan Finley. But when Finley stunk it up enough, he managed to just get back on the field and just you know compete to the best of his of his ability. So frankly. If, I was looking earlier today, and I saw the CBS post saying that that they were ranking the best possible landing spots for Andy Dalton, and it goes number one Chicago, number two the Bucks, three the Pats, four A and four B it goes the Chargers and Colts, five goes the Panthers, and six is the New Orleans Saints. So I can understand the idea of Chicago because a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, he was a Pro Bowler last, he was a Pro Bowler the season prior, but really just. Doesn't look like he might be the guy this year. I mean, the, the Bears the, the Bears missed out on Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes. That's just a joke, in my opinion. You miss out on a guy like Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, you get stuck with Mitchell Trubisky. That's rough. It's real rough. But, 
You have a guy like Andy Dalton. He's had the experience. He's had limited playoff experience, but he's had it. And if you can get a guy like him in, maybe to throw to some of your younger weapons, maybe maybe see what you can do with that team. I believe that the Bears still have a good defense. They got that guy Khalil. They got freaking Khalil Mack back there. They can still do it. So, I so I'd say I'd say look out. The Bucks. I see it. I think that Winston right now. I believe I believe Winston is younger. Is younger, but I but I can also see the idea of of Dalton having more of a veteran presence. I believe Dalton is a bit more of a mature figure. Winston, we also Winston for all, for any of, for all of us who know has had a history of la, of showing lack of maturity. But let's let's not talk about that here. The Pats, I'm really hoping not for that one because frankly, I hope that the Pats come to their senses and prank and freaking give Brady the money he deserves. I think that I don't see Andy Dalton being the successor to Tom Brady. I I I really I really want to see what a guy like Jarrett Stidham could do because. Stidham to me when he came out of Auburn, I'm not really getting the same Jimmy G vibes that I got from Jared Stidham. I really want to see what Stidham does this preseason and in this camp and even in the minimal time he'll get relieving a guy like Tom Brady, who I'm hoping still stays. And I really want to see what he can do this season. Coming out of Auburn, working out a lot of the kinks, similar to Jimmy G, but Stidham was a fourth round pick, Jimmy G was a second, so Obviously, Garoppolo was a little more coveted at that position. So I really do want to see what Stidham can do this year as opposed to as opposed to the season prior. And I want to see what he can maybe do with Edelman, with weapons like Edelman. Maybe they bring in a guy like A.J. Green. Hunter Henry has been has been a rumored target. So even if so even if it's, you know, so I hope that Brady's back, but Andy Dalton, a pretty a pretty good, you know, physical quarterback, good size. If he was to have if he was to have his fellow receiver AJ Green there, maybe and then have a guy like Hunter Henry to throw to, that could be interesting. The Chargers and the Colts, at this point we're getting we're on the second half down the list. So it's an interesting look. I think that I feel like at that point the charge I feel like at this, at this point the moves are less about finding places where Andy Dalton can fit and more about just suit and more about just teams needing quarterbacks. The Colts obviously are looking to are kind of left in pieces now. Jacoby Brissett had a decent season, not nothing spectacular, but he he was a serviceable quarterback after the after the sudden after the sudden retirement of a guy like Andrew Luck. But I think that but I think that at that but I think these moves at this point are just are just is just CBS Sports saying, hey, we think that we think that these teams need a quarterback. Andy Dalton's a quarterback on the market. They, he he should he could go to these teams. The, the Panthers, they already have Cam and the Saints. I mean, if they don't bring back Drew Brees, I don't think. I don't. I think even if Taysom Hill is the guy, I think he. I think you got to see more of him throwing because I believe he doesn't. He doesn't even have that many passes thrown in the NFL. It's a very minimal number. So I'd want to see what I. I'd want to see you know Taysom Hill get have a little more throwing this year, but but still have a guy like the veteran Drew Brees to have to like lead him into battle a little bit more. So. In addition to that, so in addition, additional quarterback news, CBS Sports also put out a report saying, saying that that saying the Chargers that this that these would be the list of the Chargers' best option for replacing Phil Rivers. The number one option they said was remaining in house and promoting and promoting Tyrod Taylor to starting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, for all of us for all of us Pats fans, was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. He used to back up Joe Flacco in Baltimore before before being acquired by Buffalo. 
and has really bounced around bounced around to the Browns before getting before getting um uh, benched for for Baker and is now a San Diego Charger. For number two, it says it says get the free agent goat Tom Brady. I think that I f- I understand the idea of the idea of Brady to the Chargers. I see I see a quality quarter. I see a quality team. I see a guy like Keenan Allen. If they're able to keep a guy like Hunter Henry in house, that could be interesting as well. I believe they have a pretty decent defense, even though they got even though they didn't have the best team last year. I think that they, I think having a guy like Brady in that locker room might shift the culture a little bit and have the team playing a little harder than a guy like Philip Rivers, which has really just kept the team stagnant all this time. And number three, it says draft Justin Herbert. So I've heard I've heard good things about Herbert. And I think that he could be a really good option there. I I don't know too much about his game, but I've heard but I've heard only really good things. I haven't heard a ton of negatives, so that could be an interesting move as well. Number four, the free agent flyer Marcus Mariota. So I think Mariota is going to get overlooked a lot this offseason. because he got benched for a guy like Ryan Tannehill, whose career was basically marked to being almost over in almost over in Miami and getting basically the shot of a lifetime to revive his career in Tennessee and basically prove that he is still a viable quarterback in the NFL. That's going to be a bad look on Mariota. But I frank but I think frankly that that the Titans offense just didn't fit what Mariota could do. Mariota is I still think is a very good mobile quarterback. He's still able to chuck the ball pretty well. So I'd like to see what he could do. I'd frankly like him in a in a system like New England a little more than Andy Dalton cuz he's a little younger, could maybe do some things. So that could be good. Number five says buy low, get a guy like Nick Foles, because um, it's they're probably predict that this idea is probably predicting that Gardner Minshew would probably take the role as quarterback in Jacksonville, and then they're going to ship Nick Foles out the door, just bite the bullet with that contract, and just hope for the best. And that that could be an interesting one. Number six, roll the dice and acquire Jameis Winston. So as I mentioned earlier, Winston is now seeing a little better, seeing hopefully twenty twenty. Uh, I mean that could be a really interesting move. I'd love to see what I'd love to see what James could do um, with the new eyesight. So that's an interesting move as well. He's a good he has the good bot he has a good body of an NFL quarterback, really physical, can really has a good throws a good ball. So that could be good. And that number seven, this is probably this would be a good move, but they're probably saying this in terms of probability at this point. When it would be the splash trade, and that would be acquire Cam Newton. Cam Newton, former NFL MVP, has gone to a Super Bowl. But the past couple NFL seasons have been a bit rough on him. Injuries have kind of really taken have really taken a toll on him. Team breaking down in, in Carolina has really taken a toll on him. He's lost defensive guys like Luke Keekley along the way. So I could understand the idea of Cam wanting to get out of Carolina. So I think that Cam, you know, if he learns to throw, if he learns to just remain in the pocket a little bit more, only scramble when he has to instead of instead of being Superman all the time. If he can really stay in that pocket. And still, and still chuck a good ball, then I think yeah, I think that might be a good shot as well. So, frankly, as 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 mentioned in the number two section of that, as mentioned as the number two option for the Chargers was to sign the goat Tom Brady. So, I so as I hope, I'm really hoping that Tom Brady stays in New England. And as from this poor, as from this Bleach report, um, I believe it, I believe it's a Bleach report gridiron report. Um, so, so in this report post I, I saw online, it said 
According to Bleach Report's Matt Miller, the feeling around the NFL is that is that free agent Tom Brady will re-sign with the Patriots and get help. So, so in this in this post, it also says that Bill Belichick knows he can't win with any other available quarterbacks on the market, which is quite a statement. And two of the names who've come up consistently are the tight end Hunter Henry and AJ Green. So, I think if they, I think if Edelman can get healthy, you get a guy like. You get a guy like Sony Michel to start running in that backfield, because frankly he's been stagnant in the backfield. I saw him last year, and he was just running, holding, holding the ball in the bread basket, just hoping something would open up for him so he, so he could go. That's not the Sony Michel we saw at Georgia, where he, where he could plot, where he could plow through a defensive line. That's the Sony Michel I want to see with the, I want to see with the New England Patriots. That's the, I want to see the Sony Michel who was, who wasn't afraid to go through that Rams D line in the Super Bowl. And then I also, and I want to see him paired up with a guy like James White in that backfield and see what that see what that backfield tandem can do. I want to see I want to see Edelman back back healthy. I mean the guy's half bionic at this point, but I still think he's got I still think he's at least got a good season or two left in him. Getting a guy like AJ Green would really help Brady stretch the field. Even though he'd be 43 next season, he still throws a good he still throws a good ball. Brady's Brady's still a very talented quarterback even 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 though his age isn't in isn't in his favor. Hunter Henry would do a great job of, of replacing Gronk because, frankly, the Patriots' tight ends this season, I think they were just abysmal. Ryan Izzo, uh, I can't even remember the other one's name. Ryan Izzo, uh, Matt Lacoste was the other one. They just they, they were just stiffs, in my opinion. Lacoste had a good touchdown. Brady seemed to have chemistry with him towards the end of the year. Izzo, on the other point, just was hurt a lot. Couldn't really do a ton with the Pats. But I feel like a guy. But I feel like if Lacoste can get healthy and maybe you know progress a little bit, and they sign a guy like Henry, they can run two tight end set, have a little more help for Brady on that O line, you know, really ground and pound with guys like Michelle, and then and then and then dump off to White, and then have and then have guys out wide like Green and Edelman in the slot. It could be an interesting look for the Pats, I believe. It really could be. So that's a really interesting look, in my opinion. I think the Pats got to look at that and then just see. You know where can where can we go from here? What do we have? And then just frankly, what what is next? All right, what do we have here? So I'm not a big soccer guy, but I know that this. But I know. But I know. I was talking to some people. And I knew this was pretty big. So the so the soccer club Manchester City has been banned from the Champions League for I believe about two seasons. I'm not not entirely sure on the on the logistics of it, but I know it had to do from but I know it had to do at least with financial fair play rules and even and even more infractions. So as so as I'm reading this, I believe it's the gold it's a gold.com article and it says that and it says that the it says the football world has been shaken to its core following the news that Manchester City are are set to face a two-year ban from the Champions League. The citizens are, the citizens are planning to overturn the ban with an appeal, but there's no denying that a ban from the from competition will have serious ramifications on and off the pitch. Here here's everything you need to know about the ban, what the rules specify and more. So it's frankly just this this just goes into a lot of financial fair play rules. I'm not too I'm not too like invested in the football world, soccer world, or however you or however you say it, I'm not too invested in that. Frankly, I don't know a ton about it, but I but I do understand that this is a, that this is big. I, I I know if a team like I know if a team like the Patriots or the Bruins or the Celtics or whoever were were not allowed to participate in playoffs, I would be defiant. 
I don't know how I'd react from something, from something like that. That would be incredible to me. I, I, I remember seeing guys like Brady get suspended for a get suspended for four games, and I was irate. I mean, it was frankly, I I was really freaking mad about that move. So you see it. So you see a team get completely told that you, no matter how you do, you're not going to be allowed. You're not going to be allowed to compete at the next level. As a former athlete, that's just a kick in the gut. Being told no matter what you do, it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter. It, it like for the, for a lot of those guys, it's just gonna feel like you're back on a JV squad where you can have a great season, you can put up great numbers, but at the end of the day, when that last game rolls around, you know you're going home. It's gonna, it's gonna hurt for those guys, and I, it's, I, it sucks. It sucks for the players, but I mean, if the team knows, if the team knows. That they made those infractions, then I think that you know, unfortunately, they have to, unfortunately they have to pay that price. It really does suck for the for them, but it really just is what it is. So, we are unfortunately getting down to the wire. Dun dun dun. So it is it is seven fifty two here at the Koffler Center at Bryant University. So we're gonna do. I'm gonna do a quick rundown of everything we've talked about so far on this show, and I will see you guys again on Wednesday. It's a long weekend, so I hope you guys all enjoy it very much. Kevin Garnett will have his number retired by the Celtics. Great player, loved him. I think I think he deserves it, and I'm happy to see number. I'll be happy to see number five in the rafters the next time I go to TD Garden. Bellinger blasts the Astros. Quote, they stole a ring from us. Owner Jim Crane, his apology was cheap. The players should be the players don't deserve any respect. He says that he says that their respect is now gone. I frankly I, I frankly think that it's pretty warranted. I understand where that respect will be lost. It's just a shame that a good team like the Astros, they it was a, such a great story. They were built from the ground up. They had a great team around them, and I'm just it's gonna really be a shame to see that that team is now gonna be tainted with an asterisk. I, I reiterated my stance on the on Rob Manfred in the new MLB playoff format as well as the three batter minimum. As I stated on Wednesday's show, I am not a fan of this ruling, but it is what it is. I understand that I understand that sometimes that sometimes these things have to be done. Whether I'm a fan of it or not, I'm not a fan, but it is what it is. And then from there we moved into the NFL. Miles Garrett reinstated. I've I saw guys like Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. He wasn't really happy about this decision. He said that he thinks that he thinks that Garrett should have at least been suspended for the first open for the first opening game of the season, just to set the reminder that they that the NFL won't let an action like that stand. But it will but that will ultimately not be the case as he will be back in the league. Jameis Winston, now seeing better. What what will his season look like? I have I have a bright future for him. Look look out for him as a fantasy quarterback this year if you're picking late for a quarterback, but he's still it's I'd still say he's a bit of a flight risk. Um Big Ben, what will he be what will he will what will he look like next year? Thirty seven years old, age on the on the wrong side of thirty, but he's a good sizable quarterback and he might be able to he might be able you might be able to get at least two good more seasons out of him, Pittsburgh. Who's going number one overall? I think it should be Joe Burrow, but Chase Young's given given one heck of an argument for it. Finally, we finally we went over we went over to Andy Dalton. Where's where's he looking at best? The Bears are the number one option, but look out but look out for Tampa and New England if Brady doesn't go back. 
The Chargers. What will happen now in the wake of Phillip Rivers leaving? Tyrod Taylor to Cam Newton. Those are the possibilities that are that are in place for Los Angeles. Tom Brady. We talked about his we talked about his future in New England. It looks like he, it looks like there's a good chance he will be back with the Patriots. I sure hope so. As a Pats fan, I really want to see him back. I really want to see number 12 back in the field next year. I'm going to try to try my hardest to get to a game just to make sure I can see Tom Brady one last time before he walks off into the sunset, and I really hope it's in that Patriots jersey. And frankly, before we end, before we end tonight's show, I just wanted to I just wanted to wish you guys all a happy Valentine's Day, and I also wanted to, I also wanted to say that I I saw earlier I saw earlier today that quarterback of the Tennessee Titans and Baltimore Ravens Steve McNair would have been 47 years old today. McNair was tragically killed by his girlfriend back in back. I don't believe I know the exact date. Let me look at that real quick. All right, I'm getting it now. It says that McNair. Here we go. It said that McNair was tragically killed in, on July fourth, two thousand nine. That's right. He was killed on the fourth. It was a really, it was a really tragic incident. I mean, it was, it was just. I remember, I remember hearing this news and just hearing that Steve McNair was gone, and it was a really tragic story. So I just wanted to send my thoughts and prayers to the McNair family and at that trying time. I mean, it's going to be tough to. It's eleven years now since it, since he. Um, that he's probably not been with us at this point. It's been 10 since his, then since his death, but it will be 11 this upcoming summer. So I just feel for the family. I wish them the best. And I really hope that, you know, they can really still, I really hope that they have gained some sense of, um, justice and at least, you know, they, they, I understand they'll miss him forever, but I hope that they will, you know, move forward and be able to still lead normal lives in the wake of this tragic incident. But I want, but I just wanted to finish off with that. I wanted to thank everyone in for listening tonight. You've been listening to WJMF eighty-eight point seven HG two Smithville Providence, or you've or you've been listening at WJMFRadio.com. I want to thank you guys very much. This has been Down to the Wire with Brian Costa. We will be back on Wednesday. Thank you very much and have a good one.